Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined once again by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the Fed's rate hike announcement and what that is doing to the bond market and mortgage rates. It is a big day, and there's no one else I would want to walk us through it. So, Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here. We are doing this live while Jay Powell's Pinocchio nose is growing (laughs) longer and longer. Um, So I'm kind of, you know, I've stopped listening to him, but... Uh, what I see right now is a man who is completely unsure of what he is talking about. Like the Fed's expectations of uh, of, of how they're looking at uh, the Fed funds rate and inflation and everything, It's it, 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 he just seems unsure how to answer questions. So we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, the Fed has announced the rate hike, but it is during the question and answer session, just to give people background. So first of all, tell us the headline news and what that meant to you. Well, the Fed raised 50 basis points. They let the market know that was going to come. But now we are in a completely different stage right here. They've jacked up interest rates very fast. They put the housing market in a recession in June. Um, And now we know that the growth rate of inflation is being held up by an indicator that they've even admitted, oh, yeah, well, rents aren't being calculated properly. And then they're saying, well, we think we might need even a little bit higher rates next year. We know our rate hikes lag. Growth is slowing, but the unemployment rate is going to get to 4.6%. But I don't think that's a recession. They are toast. They are toast. And this is what happens when your institution is old and slow and doesn't know what to take with the data internally. You're given data and you're trying to incorporate it. You get to 4.6% unemployment rate. It's a recession. Don't even care if GDP is running uh, uh, below 1% or not even negative. There's your job loss recession, which tells me they are all going to fold when jobless claims break above 323,000 because their entire argument right now is the job openings data, right? They go, well, job openings data is really large. Job openings data is really large. Nobody's going to fire anyone. Nobody's going to know what's happening in tech. Listen, when claims break, they will fold, right? So they're kind of unsure of what to say right now in the bond market. Bless the bond market. It is the sexiest financial instrument we have. When Jay Powell was talking, bond yields went lower and lower, and I kept on tweeting with a Pinocchio nose, keep on talking, Jay, keep on talking. Bond market's going, oh, you're so adorable. Jay, 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 you're so adorable. <laughs> so adorable. You, I mean, you've talked before about how the market can get ahead of whatever, whatever the Fed's doing. Is that what we're seeing? Everyone who's listening to this right now, there is no more quantitative easing anymore. QE is done. The balance sheet is being reduced. Inflation headline is still what, 7%. And the 10-year yield, last time I checked, was 3.496. Okay? Mother bond market is speaking. Mother mother bond market was always speaking. If it wasn't for the dollar uh, getting super strong, we wouldn't have had that last push higher in rates, right? Uh, uh, The entire world had to tell the Fed, quit it, stop it. Stop doing this, right? So 
We are in a such, this is so much fun for me, Sarah. We're in this spot right now where the Fed is basically can't admit that a 4.6% unemployment rate is a recession because they don't know how to talk about the forward-looking data because they're they're backwards looking in a sense. Um, and the the press were were basically challenging him on this uh, on on this premise too. And that's what I love to see that the press like people are like, hey, listen, what 4.6% unemployment rate? That's that's a recession, right? Well, they're like, no, technically it's not a recession. When you start to having to make up stuff, right? You know you don't know. So <clears throat> it was priceless to see that the bond market yields were heading lower as Jay Powell was talking, right? They they initially didn't do anything. They started to go up higher. But when Jay was talking, Pinocchio knows, kept on going lower, kept on like, keep on talking, Jay. Keep on talking, Jay. Let the market know, right? So the stock market fell down, but the bond market is basically, oh. So what does that mean for mortgage rates? I mean, we, we love- Well, I mean, if, if rate, listen, if the, if the economy gets worse, the bond market is going to keep on heading lower. And they're going to say, you made a policy mistake. So we're going to financially ease the conditions for you, right? Uh, and, and the funny part is that the Fed even tells you, listen, we know all these rate hikes lag. Oh, by the way, rent inflation is really big in core CPI, but we know we know that it's not accounting for what's happening in the real world. But we think the unemployment rate will get to 4.6, but it won't be a recession because GDP, you know, and there are there are P, there are Fed funds, somebody, some somebody's drinking some really good eggnog. Their PCE, their Fed funds rate is now five and a half, the high end. I mean, the, the growth, these things are falling now. So I love it that the press was actually, they, they know enough to ask him this. What are you doing? What are you talking about? He seemed very unsure in his body language. Oh, the body language about when they said, listen, isn't a, aren't you forecasting a recession? And he just paused and he looked a little bit nervous and J, J, J. It gave up the goods. And then the bond market started going, the yield started going much lower when that happened. He looks unsure. He should be unsure. How does this fit in with what you have written over the last couple of weeks of what you thought would happen? And let's talk about inflation because that came in yesterday. You wrote a great article for us about it. So how does how does this all work together? So we talked about this starting in October, right? We said, what's the case for what's the case for mortgage rates to fall toward 5% next year, right? Number one, right, the, the my six recession red flags are up as of August 5th. So I have to look at economic economics differently now. I'm just focusing on jobless claims. Housing went into recession in June. Mortgage rates spiked up when the when the dollar was spiking up, and that was causing massive world disruption. Right, People, company uh, countries had to sell U.S. Treasuries, bond yields had to go up. That started to come down. Right, economic data is is, is slowing in the sense that we don't have this super booming economy right now. So. If data gets weaker, the growth rate of inflation starts to fall because mortgage spreads are so wide, right? We should be near 5% now, today, right? It's only the spreads that are keeping it wide right now. That's it. So we've seen what occurred right now in housing, right? So if you're looking just housing economics, the last six weeks, We've had a positive data mortgage purchase application run, right? That's enough time to, to actually say, okay, 
we found a stabilization period. So five of the last six weeks have had weekly growth. The year-over-year declines have stopped, and it's bounced up 8% from the bottom. So we've seen what lower rates can do just initially to stabilize it. You get that down to 5%, all the housing crash, the 40%, all that would have to be based on housing demand stabilizing and people still selling their homes 30 or 40% off in a stabilizing marketplace. And I can tell this, that a lot of my housing crash friends have gotten really quiet, <laughs> especially the last four or five weeks. It's a tell. Let me, let me tell you something. Nobody thought in the month of December rates would fall. And then all of a sudden we're talking about, hey, guess what? You know, mortgage rates are low enough to bring a stabilization, stabilization factor into demand. So I think what we see today by Jay Powell is a confused person on how to describe, well, we believe unemployment rates are going to go here, but we don't think it's a recession. So we, what? Everyone's like, what? And I love it. I love that the United States of America, the people, the media are like, dude, what are you talking about? Dude, where's my car? Dude, what are you talking about a recession? <laughs> where's my car? Like, like, like no recession, unemployment rates go up. That's not a recession. You're, you're talking about GDP growth slowing and uh, people losing jobs. That's not a recession. And he's like, no, no, no. Well, we don't think it's a job. At this stage of the second, and, and I implore everyone that I'm the guy that talked about job openings getting to 10 million. Nobody else, not one single human being on planet Earth, you could go look it up, was talking about job openings getting to 10 million during this recovery. They are now overweighting jolts data. They're talking about job openings are super high, super high. At this stage of the cycle, claims beats jolts. And continuing claims have been slowly rising for some time, which means the people that have lost their jobs for one week and can't find a job, that number is slowly rising. It's nothing bad right now, but the internals of the data line are switching. So I believe that because this group looks confused right now, that when jobless claims break over 323,000 on a four-week moving average, not a headline, they will fold, the market will get ahead of it, and look where we're at right now. We are sitting here, I'm talking to you right now, Sarah Wheeler, it is a 3.48% 10-year yield, and Jay Powell's nose is getting bigger. Oh my God, his nose just hit me through the <laughs> TV window. I mean, geez, I, it's, it, it, this, is, this is like the days you live for where the bond market is like, oh, you're so cute. Oh, you're just so So I'm, I, say I am a mortgage loan officer. What is my takeaway from this? Am I really excited? Because obviously, even though, even though you know, we have a Fed rate hike, the mortgage rates are going to go down. Okay, so the mortgage community, do you guys remember all of that 8 to 10% mortgage rate by Christmas call? How's that working out? You remember the 8 to 10% 10-year yield calls by Christmas? How's that turning out? Oh my, we're 3.47 now. Jay, I, see, I'm not listening to what Jay's talking. Jay's probably really, he's doing a Christmas tune right now. What's the history of economic cycles, right? Post-1982 is that whenever the economy gets weaker, bond yields typically fall. Mortgage rates typically fall, right? There is the 1975 period where the Fed says, I don't care. I don't like you people. When a recession, we're going to hike rates still because we need to destroy it. So that is a valid premise. I think that is, is a legitimate discussion. If people want to say this is 1975, I'm all for that. That, that means you, you, you know your history. This is not 1975. 
right? We had a global pandemic, right? In the history of global pandemics, like, you know, the, uh, in, in 1918, rent inflation took off and then rent inflation took down, right? The, the, we have historical evidence here. The Federal Reserve did acknowledge that the biggest driver in inflation is not being accounted for correctly. And I think this is part of the stepping down and some of the dovish people, hey, dude, I think we, we overdid it. So internally, this is kind of what you want to see. So what have we seen already in, in, uh, in demand? We found some people to come back into the marketplace from going from 7.375 to six and a quarter. We get back down to 5%. Remember, the Federal Reserve can stop the housing recession if it wanted to, right? They could just say that we're, we're going to mortgage-backed securities, right? The spreads right now are the bigger uh, uh, indicator. Why? Because if you go back to 1971, to all mortgage people, go look at the Fred charts, look at 1971, look at 30-year fixed mortgage rates. They move in tandem since 71 to 2022. It's just the spreads that are keeping it wide. And mortgage rates should be near 5% right now, right? Uh, um, uh, we should at least five and a quarter, uh, five and a half. We should be much lower. The spreads are wide. They can fix that if they wanted to, right? They don't want to, but that that could that could change the game. So I, I think there is a real positive trend here by what the bond market is doing rather than what the Fed is talking about. And I'm sitting here still with the 10-year yield, 3.47. So Jay must be talking still great stuff. And I love the fact that he looked a bit scared up there about the recession question, because I think that's that's the game changer, right? Because for right now, price stability, okay, we're hiking rates to kill inflation. Okay, we've hiked rates a lot. The housing market is in a recession. The auto loan industry is having some stress, but we don't believe 4.6% unemployment rates in a recession. He doesn't want to really answer that too well because he knows inside, because they've talked about it all year, pain pain. We need you to feel pain. Our jobs are secure, but pain, pain, pain. And that's, you see an institution starting to feel the stress of trying to convince people that we even need to still rate, uh, you know, do rate hikes with all of it in. So that's good. That is good. Because remember, remember my whole savagely unhealthy housing market theme. We need higher rates to put home sellers, home builders, and home investors on their ass because it was getting crazy. The marketplace is quietly putting the Fed on its ass right now. And it's saying, dude, y'all, y'all are just too, you're too old, you're too slow, you're buying the curve. So if the 10-year yield had gotten, you know, to like 3.875, bond yields just went crazy higher, the stock market, then the market is saying, yeah, you know, this is, but it doesn't. It doesn't do it anymore, right? So the dollar's weakened, the 10-year yields are. So we're, we're transitioning to another stage of this discussion, which you could only see it when Jay's talking live. And I think that's the value. That's the value of watching what the bond market does when Jay, Jay Powell's talking. So we take it now, one day at a time, one data line at a time. But as a mortgage person, this is probably the best news you possibly could get, uh, considering that you've had two lower, weaker CPI data lines and still CPI is being held up by rent inflation, which they have acknowledged to be in a lagging indicator and not a real time. And that's what we've all been talking about. We, I went personally on CNBC a few months ago, said, hey, dude, this is outdated, man. Rent inflation can't sustain itself. That's not how it works. And uh, positive. That's, that's a positive outcome. So as you noted, the CPI data yesterday really set, set this up 
uh, because it came in, uh, things were cooling faster than maybe we had expected, or at least some people expected. So tell us, you know, can you break it down? You went through yesterday in an, in an article and really talked about what those different points were and why you thought that was going to lead to this kind of conclusion. So CPI year over year is pretty much kind of where it was last year. So my talking point is that where we're heading right now is actually going to look much different next Christmas, right? That's my whole talking point. What's going to happen over the next 12 months? It's different because 12 months ago, we didn't have any rate hikes in the system. The growth rate of some of these inflation data lines were still rising, right? They weren't falling like they're up. So let's talk about the Mad Max basket, right? That's the uh, energy, uh, natural gas. Those things are falling. Oil prices have fallen, right? The spike that we saw through the Russian invasion is fading now. Okay, so that's that's going one way. Uh, auto loan or, or the auto sector, new car growth rate pricing is falling. Used cars pricings are falling. This is the aftermath of the global pandemic, right? Production was down, chip shortages, all this drama. This has nothing to do with Fed or demand or anything like this. We just, we're, we're working through that. That has the potential to go lower next year. Rent inflation, the front-loading data, the most current data is collapsing, right? It's not even slowly going down. We just saw Zillow's index, where it's the biggest collapse in seven years. This means the growth rate is slowing. This means the biggest driver in inflationary data is already falling. So you put that all together, right? We are going to be in a much different spot 12 months from now, where 12 months ago, you know, we're having a different conversation. We're thinking, well, it's just transitory. There's no Fed rate hikes. Much different now. So the 7% inflation that we're seeing now is in a much different spot because the trend, you follow forward-looking data is out there. Uh, and then the counter to all this is that the U.S. economy, because of its balance sheets, because of its demographics, simply demand will not fall fast enough to offset, you know, the or supply won't rise fast enough to offset the demand and inflation stays hotter than ever. That's the counter to all this. But man, it is so different today than we were 12 months ago. Even though the headline number is the same, the difference is the bond market doesn't believe the Fed anymore. Um, and uh, whoever whoever spiked the eggnog drink for whatever Fed member put 5.5% Fed funds rate next year, bless your heart, man. You, you that, that was a crazy party you got in there because Oh no, that's 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 not going to happen with the forward-looking indicators. It's good that uh, the media is asking them about that. They're like, "Wait a second. It was really a confusing Fed day. For a lot, a lot of things don't even make sense, right? You know, their their inflation data is too high, their growth, you know, so uh but the question is asked and I and I love the question. Is 4.6% a job loss recession? He paused and oh, well, no, I don't really know. So they're trying to mitigate, which means that they're internally very key with that. So if jobless claims break, they fold. It's over, right? They're just, they're hanging everything on the job openings data right now. Let's talk about inventory and purchase apps, because these two things are, are definitely related and also um, are, are part of, you know, as we see, we thought that the inventory would get much better, right? As, as, Interest rates rose. That's not what happened. So tell us where we are. So year over year, we've seen growth in the inventory channels. That's 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 not surprising. What happened this week, right? And I, and I say this, it's going to shock some people. We've had the biggest weekly decline in the month of December for this week in inventory in many years, right? So I I, I try to train people 
Now, so I'm going to do a Wall Street firm on this. Um, when you look at purchase application data, you have to look 30 to 90 days out. Every forward-looking housing cycle has moved off purchase application data because it's the most forward-looking data line we have. Home sales are lagging. Pending home sales are slightly lagging. What occurred is six weeks ago, purchase application data started its six-week growth uh, trend. What we saw this week in inventory, the weekly, the current inventory, right? Uh, that decline was the biggest decline in years. So we always see inventory declining in, in the fall and winter. That's, that's nothing new. But it, the, the size of the decline with when purchase application data started to get better, 30 to 90 days. So we have six weeks. So we're already, you know, going into past the 30 days. Some of that decline can be attributed to maybe demand picking up a little bit better in a seasonal time with inventory falling. So if you're trying to make sense on the, the biggest decline in inventory for this week in many years, uh, go with that one for now. So all you have to keep a track on is purchase application data going out for a year. Right now, all it's doing is stabilizing the data. Um, and with the stabilization, that means you could get just a little bit of movement and uh, because we had such a waterfall dive in the data line that it just anything will stop the bleeding and, and reverse the course. You need this to happen for six to eight months to get a real turn. So we found 1% rate decrease added a little bit of more demand. If rates could get to 5% and stay there for a while, because we saw some of the, the, the data lines pick up. Um, but it, was, oh, it, it wasn't long at all. I mean, that when rates got that 5%, that's when the Fed all freaked out and go, no, we have to destroy the housing market. We need the economy in a recession. How do you people think we're supposed to do our jobs right if you're working and buying stuff? So um, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating tale. And it's happened toward the end of the year, which I don't think anybody has anticipated. Listen, so it's like Christmas coming early if you're in the mortgage industry, this this sort of news, because I mean, the the mortgage rate hikes have been decimating to our industry. So the fact that, you know, things are falling, things are looking up. If I'm in the mortgage industry, I'm like, yay, this is great news. Yeah, I mean, right now, you actually have a six-week forward demand curve that's rising, okay, which means that five of the last six weeks, purchase application data weekly has been rising, but the year-over-year -year decline went Right now, from 46% decline year-over-year as year being the biggest, today's data, 38%. Those year-over-year -year declines that get less and less and less means that the trend is rising. This is why people miss the COVID recovery, even though the year-over-year -year declines were like 35%. They were going 32, they were 28, they were 27. And they kept on highlighting, oh, it's still down, but the trend was, and by the time they woke up in 2021, they kept on saying housing is crushing. Dude, it's like seven months ago, the data was telling you why you're too old and you're too slow. You don't want to be old and slow in this day and age. You have no excuses to be old and slow in this day and age. So let the data guide you. And this is a noticeable six-week you know, data line, uh, and it's stabilized, right? We're no longer going down anymore. We've bounced off the lows. The next stage has to be, do you get growth from it and push it higher? You know, And purchase application data is very seasonal. From the second week of January to the first week away, that's the volume data. Every year, volumes go up. After May, volumes always fall, right? You lead up to the spring and summer. That's traditional seasonal data line. So you want to keep an eye on that, but you want to keep an eye on the year-over-year -year data. Uh, we had, I think one of the things that people made a mistake this year, and it, oh, I've talked about it for many months, 
October, November, December, January had extremely odd high comps. Uh, last year was very weird. We had volume growth toward the end of the year. So I was expecting, because where trend data was going, 35 to 45% year-over-year declines in the data lines, adjusting to the comps. So in theory, it's not that bad. As bad as that is, uh, it's, not as, it's not as bad as it should be if we, ha- if we had a normal seasonal period. So the whole time since October to, to December, it's been between 38 to 46%. That looks normal to me. If things were getting weaker, like noticeably weaker, we should have been down 53 to 57% adjusting to the comps. But but the CPI report two months uh, two months ago changed everything, right? The 10-year yield started to fall, mortgage rates started to fall. So, I mean, listen, it's as good as you could possibly can get if you're in the mortgage industry considering everything that we're dealing with right now, that you could have a 1% plus move and the data lines are recovering in the sense that we've stabilized the marketplace. And we we literally still have the potential of if the spreads get better, we're five and a half right now, right? We're, 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 we're heading there. So uh, can, uh, Mariah Carey came for Christmas. God, I don't know what, how else to say it. Like, all you want for Christmas is you got, in, you got it. Because, you know, if that, if mortgage rates went from 7.375 to 8% or something, the market was deteriorating. In, in, in that light, because nobody wanted to sell their houses, nobody wanted to move. And again, the biggest talking point I've, I've really tried to do this year is that, remember, a traditional seller is a traditional buyer. Okay, that's why the inventory channels have stayed stable since 1982. That means some of you that are listening, you weren't even born yet when the inventory data channels that I use were stable. It's only the 2006 to 11 period that we saw escalation in inventory. That was the credit, forced credit seller. That means that person sold to be homeless, right? They weren't buying a home. They sold because they were forced to, and they can't acquire a house. Now the sellers are like, no moss. I'm not doing anything. At the end of June, the year over year decline started to pick up and you lose that demand. So not only did you hit the marginal home buyer, not only is the first time a home buyer hit, the move up and move down buyer was leaving too. So you have the trifecta of uh, uh, higher mortgage rates impacting the second or third derivative of the demand curve. So which means that you have a waterfall dive in demand. But now what we've seen in the last two weeks is new listings declining is getting less. That means some people are like, hey, I don't mind buying a house at six and a quarter. You know, I could sell my house. I could, you know, have the seller pay and get even a lower mortgage rates. I'm good. That's a positive. That's why I always say we want new we want new listings data to not decline in the start of 2023. That that wouldn't be good for everyone. People think it's a good thing because inventory is like no. We want more inventory. We want more people to feel comfortable enough that, or if they can, to sell their house, buy another one, and have a more functioning marketplace. And uh, there's some there's some positive recent data on that as well as rates fell. You know, it, it ties back into you know were we seeing a mortgage rate lockdown, and you know it has to the mortgage rates have to be high for a sustained period to see that. If mortgage rates come back down like we hope they will, right? Then then that does free up people. It really does a you know breaks the logjam of a mortgage rate lockdown to the extent that you thought there was one. Yeah, I mean that's why I say that. Let, let, let me explain it to you this way, how historical this year was in housing. If we just had mortgage rates go from 3% to 6% and come down to 4%, okay, that was a crazy year. That was historic in nature. We went from 3% at the start of the year to 6%. Then we went back down to 5%. And then we had another 
spike in rates. This all happened this year. That's not normal. You don't have normal behavior when rates are this wild, right? Right. I mean, people freaked out back in 2013 when mortgage rates went from three and a half percent to four and a half percent. Even the Fed said, "Oh, that's that's too much. You know, that's too. <laughs> we have to get some. We have to get some stability in mortgages." Here, rates go from three to seven percent. Housing is in a recession, and Fed Governor Waller's housing will be fine. Uh, what? Housing is in a recession. Uh, housing will be fine. Show me that you're old and don't understand how to read data lines correctly without telling me you're old and not reading data lines correctly. No. So we had a lot of volatility this year in rates that changed behavior. And people think of it, well, there's no inventory spike. Listen, we need people to buy and sell homes. We don't need people to go, no, I'm sitting at home, right? We need a functioning marketplace, right? And that was the problem with having rates get from 3 to 6%. Uh, so fast that it, because remember, you're, you're seasonal with your housing decisions, right? You typically want to move in the spring and summer, you know, and that stuff. So when rates showed up, a lot of people just quit in June and said, I'll wait till next year, right? And I, what I don't want to see is new listings data decline in the first three months of 2023. That would not be a positive for housing. That is what we will keep our eye on. But for right now, I am so excited. This has been a great day. Great to have you on, Logan. Thanks for coming on and, and giving us all of the insight. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.